Welcome in to Ohio vs. the World, inclusive Ohio sports podcast, where I discuss the Buckeyes, Browns, Cavaliers, Indians, Blue Jackets, Crew, Bengals, Reds, and more. I'm your host, Jacob Wilson, and today I have a special guest with me, uh, my good friend, Stephen Hilton. Stephen, how you doing? Good. How about you? Doing good, man. I'm excited to talk some Ohio sports with you. So I'm going to run down through the script here. Uh, first, I'm going to introduce Stephen, tell you a little bit about him, tell you how I know him, and then I'll let him introduce himself a little bit. Um, and then I'm going to – we're going to talk about the first four Cavs games. Unfortunately, they are 4-0. Oh. Uh, we'll jump into that a little bit. And then we'll look into a few of their next next few games. Uh, then we're going to talk about Ohio State and their loss at Purdue. I know I've talked about it already on two podcasts, but Ohio State's the biggest team um, in Ohio. That's probably the most popular team. So we're going to talk about them a lot, of course. And then I'm personally going to discuss the crew and the Blue Jackets since Stephen does not know much about them. And then we'll do a whole NFL preview uh, discussing – most in-depth, the Browns and the Steelers. And then we'll jump a little bit into the Bengals and Buccaneers. And we'll also go through all the college football games for the week. Sound good to you? It sounds good to me. All right, sweet man. So this is my good friend, Steven. I've known him for a long time. We've been good friends since way back in the day, third grade or so. Um, he's a big sports fan, but I'll let him tell you about it. Tell us who your favorite teams are, Steve. Um, so obviously I'm all three Cleveland teams, Indians, uh, Browns and the Cavs. I've uh, been a fan since ever, ever since I was a little, my grandpa kind of introduced me. And then, like I said, we've known each other forever and you kind of got me hooked on the Browns. So mm-hmm. that's how that started. And I've been a fan ever since a lot of losing, but it's, yeah. it's okay. We're getting there. We're starting to do something. So I'm excited for this team. Yeah, the Browns are turning around. You're also a fan of Ohio State. Yep, yep, and, big Buckeye uh, fan. Anything else really besides Ohio State and the three Cleveland teams? Um, not really. Um, I would kind of say I kind of like the Reds a little bit. Uh, just okay. because my dad's a big Reds fan. He's he loved the big red machine back in the day in the '70s and '80s. So that that kind of got me hooked to them a little bit with Ken Griffey and things like that when he was in Ohio. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. I've always had. Uh, I guess a sweet spot in my heart for the Reds just because I love teams that have great fans and they have great fans down there. And since they're a great uh, baseball sports town. Oh yeah, for sure. All right. So uh, I guess we'll just jump right into it. The Cavs played last night. Um, I don't know if you got to watch any of this game or how much of it you got to watch. Yeah. But... I watched the whole game and it's, it's not looking good right now. It's not looking good at all. Um, I'll jump through their first four games. I know I talked a little bit, a little bit about it on my podcast Sunday, but they are 0-4. They lost to the Raptors away from home. Then they went to Minnesota, and they lost to the Timberwolves. And at that point, they were 0-2, but we were thinking, all right, these two teams they should have lost to. Um, now they have a two-game stretch where they play the Hawks and the Nets. They should be able to win both of these games and, at worst, one of these games. And they end up losing both. They lose 133-111 to 111 to the uh, Hawks. And then they lost last night 102-86 to 86 to the Nets and that was pretty depressing. I was hoping this was going to be a team that I could enjoy watching this year, a team that I could I could watch compete at least for an eight seed. Um, even if they didn't get it, it would have been fun to watch them and night in and night out. Now it's a team that looks like it's going to tank, and I'm not going to be able to watch much of this year. Yeah, it's they just continually struggle on offense, on defense, on the fast break. They just can't get anything going. They, ever since LeBron left, it's like they just don't have a playmaker. And I know Colin Sexton's supposed to be that, but right now – He's just taking too many mid-range jumpers. He's not getting to the the basket like he's supposed to. I mean, that's why we drafted him is because he's a dog. Like, he should be able to get there, if not every time, but at least every once or twice he goes to the basket, it should happen. I mean, 
I, I do think um, Seti looks good. Uh, he's probably mm-hmm. the best, the highlight of our season right now. I mean, yeah, he's, he's stepped into that shoe of the kind of that that three playmaker that kind of distributes the ball, kind of like LeBron. But obviously, nobody's going to replace the best player on the planet. So, um, and then Kevin Love, man, I I've always I've always backed up everybody who said like Kevin Love is is good, and I think he is. He just so far, he's shooting so bad. I mean, he was shooting like 12% from the floor in that first game against the Raptors. It was not good. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with what you said there. I think Colin Sexton, he's a little too young to expect too much from him now. I think he's 19, which is weird because he's younger than us. But uh, he's out there on the basketball court. It's kind of weird. Um, but, yeah, he's a little too young. I think he's played all right. He played well last night, um, and he played well in the first two games. He didn't look good against the Hawks, but – yeah, the whole team in general is taking a lot of mid-range jumpers, which is not what you want to see. Um, it's sad, but it's kind of obsolete now in the NBA. You either want to take threes or you want to take uh, take shots in the paint because, I mean, a shot in the paint and a shot in the mid-range is the same amount of points, and it's way mm-hmm. easier to make it in the paint. And then if you take a three-pointer, it's one extra point. So it's just the mid-range jumpers become kind of obsolete. And unless you're making, like, almost every single mid-range jumper like Kevin Durant does, there's almost no reason to even shoot. Oh, for sure. Um, and I, another thing that kind of is irking me about this team so far is that I just don't think Ty Lu has a rotation. Yeah. On the bench. Like it's just kind of spotty. Like one second you'll see Corver, Decker and Seti out there with Kevin Love and Tristan. And then now you got a totally different thing going on with Tristan playing the center and then um, Corver playing the three and then JRN like it's just kind of confusing me I want to set rotation that we can make sure that it's going to be like that for the whole year kind of thing so yeah I'm with you I don't think anytime you look at Ty Lue, he looks like he has no clue what's going on in basketball and just in the real world <laughs> yeah I, I totally agree man like he he just always has that I'm <laughs> face like yeah <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's always just got like a look of disbelief. Yeah, um, it's just it's funny to see that. I sometimes I wonder why he has a job. To be completely honest, like, yeah, I, LeBron was the coach the past four years, so we'll see. We'll see what he does. I mean, he's really got to step up play <laughs> if he wants to keep his job this year. I think. Yeah, I was surprised that he kept his job. I thought they would just kind of blow everything up, at least general management and uh, head coaching wise, when LeBron left and just kind of started new. Obviously, Ty Lue wasn't that good of a coach last year, and he was a lot of the reasons why they were so bad last year with LeBron. I was surprised mm-hmm. that they kept him, and I think through four games, he's been he's been one of the main reasons they've been so bad. But a few other things you said I didn't get to get into was Kevin Love. Um, Kevin Love, is he's putting up the numbers that we expected he would, about 20 points a game and about 13, 14, 15 rebounds a game. But they're kind of just – I don't even know how to explain it, but they're just – kind of fake numbers in a way they're just like mm-hmm. the numbers that he goes out he goes out there and just gets them they don't really impact the game that much though he's not really like a playmaker like we need and then jetty osmond um he's been great he's probably been the lone bright spot i think colin sexton that did have that one bad game but he's been a little bit of a bright spot too but i've really liked what i've seen from jetty um he seems like just a cool guy in general and he's also a great basketball player i like what i've seen from him i'm not sure how young he is i think you i'm sure you know it's his second yeah, year I think it's his second year so He's really just kind of getting into everything. Um, yeah. We drafted him in the second round in 2016. So he's kind of just getting locked in to see what he can actually do in the league. I mean, he's played overseas for a year once he turned 18. So we'll see. I'm just I'm happy that we 
kind of found someone to fill that void of LeBron. Yeah, if, if we got him in the second round, that was a steal. I mean, he's a really good player. Being a top maybe, you know, 20, 30 player in the NBA here in like maybe four or five years. He's been really mm-hmm. solid for us. Um, he's been a good addition. I don't even know where we would be without him because, mm-hmm. I mean, he's been one of the best players by far. But, yeah, I don't know. What do you think you're going to – we'll see from this team going forward? Well, what I would like to see is them shoot the three ball better because that's what we've kind yeah. of lived off for the past four years. And, I mean, we set the record, what, 27 threes in one game in a playoff game? Like, that is mm-hmm. – that's crazy. I mean, and that wasn't LeBron. Like, LeBron had a four of those. Like, this was the actual rest of the team shooting. Yeah. Um, I want to see us shoot more threes and shoot them more consistently. Like, George Hill needs to get going. Um it's just – it's kind of sad to see because we were so good offensively the past four years that we're trying to um, – we are in a rebuilding stage. There's no lie about that. Um, but we got to get Corver some more shots. I know he's 39, but that man can ball. Mm-hmm. So get him the ball. Get JR the ball. Get our playmakers. Get him in space. Um, get Jetty open. Like all these guys are going to make shots. We just have to draw plays and get out on the fast break for him because we're a young team now. Like – People don't realize that we're actually pretty young. Our oldest player is Corver, and he's 39, but he's going to – I mean, he's still going to run the floor with you. Like, he's not yeah. a bum, you know. So, we're – I'm just excited in the sense that we're young and we're going to be faster, but we're definitely going to have to step up our three ball. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's the interesting part about it, too, is that the three-pointer is just so important nowadays in the NBA. And the two people that are on our team just for the reason to shoot threes are J.R. Smith and Kyle Corver. And right now they're getting, like, absolutely no minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I guess they've got two games here coming up before I probably make another podcast. So they play the Pistons tonight at 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. And then they play the Pacers at 7.30 p.m. in the queue um, Saturday. So any just brief predictions for those two games? Um, My prediction is that we – I don't know how we're going to do it against the Pistons. The Pistons are actually averaging almost 120 points per game. Mm-hmm. And since Kevin Love is not playing tonight, this is going to be it's going to be something. Especially since Blake Griffin is just on fire. I mean, dude had what fifty one the other night. I mean, he's gonna I think just last night. Yeah, he's gonna he's going to uh, it's going to be something. I'm telling you what. I mean, we got to really stop him. And Reggie Jackson's really good too. Uh, George, that's that'll be a test for George Hill defensively. But mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think the more winnable game to me actually is the Pacers game because they're a lot like we our defense and offense matches up a lot better with them than uh Detroit just because Blake Griffin is a hoss in the middle and Andre Drummond is going to get his 20 rebounds a game like yeah so it'll be a tough one but I'm excited to see them both play um yeah yeah um I guess with the Pistons I didn't realize Kevin Love wasn't playing tonight until you just said it. So I was I pretty much draw this one up as a loss here tonight. Um, and then against the Pacers, like you said, that's a more winnable game. And it's in the queue. They're definitely going to need to win that game. You can't be 0-6 if mm-hmm. they want any chance of anything in terms of competing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's possible they're 0-4 right now just because they play two tough teams and they're still getting time to gel together. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they're not used to working the ball around and getting the ball to each other because they're used to playing with LeBron, who, yeah, I mean, LeBron was the best player in the so anytime he – he took the court. He would just have the ball in his hands all the time. So now they're still getting used to passing the ball and moving the ball around. So mm-hmm. um, either they're really bad this year or they're still gelling. Hopefully it's the second one. 
Hopefully mm-hmm. they're still just gelling and they can figure it out. But if not, it's going to be a long season. Yep, I agree. All right, so let's move on to Ohio State. I'm assuming you watched the game against Purdue. Yep, it was it was a tough one to keep the TV on for all four quarters. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it was tough. Um, I was pretty pretty intoxicated watching this one, so <laughs> I don't remember it super well. But I actually wasn't super intoxicated the first half, and then I could just tell by the way they were playing. I was like, I got to start chugging some beers right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so we'll jump into Ohio State uh, at Purdue, I guess. I don't know if you listened to my podcast yesterday with Beam, but mm-hmm. yeah, one of, the, I did. one of the interesting we knew everything that went wrong in that game was stuff we knew would go wrong if it wasn't fixed, and for some reason it was fixed. I don't know if you have any take on that or if you wondered why it wasn't fixed or if you if you have any input on that, I guess. Yeah, so watching this team all year, I've really noticed that this was just going to be a culmination of all the – poor play we've had built up because I knew at some point we would lose. And I was even talking to a couple of my friends that going into West Lafayette at night, seven thirty, blackout. Yeah. That's, it's a tough place to play. We lost in 2013 going mm-hmm. there. And I just, I had a feeling that something was going to go on, especially since we could not run the ball. I don't know what it is. Is it our line? Is it just misplays? It's just, we cannot find a hole and, get a more than a five yard run to save our lives it's and that's what ohio state is like founded on like we always have backs that just busted zeke carlos hyde boom heron like all these guys beanie wells that just continue mm-hmm. to run and now we had mike weber who is a two, he's had a thousand yard rushing two straight season and he's only sitting at like 400 yards right now so it's it's definitely hard to watch um being that we're consistently good like when you think of Ohio State you think of tradition greatness and right now even though we're six seven and one I believe right six and one mm-hmm. um seven and one it's just it's not like we're seven and one it feels like we've lost more than what we have if that makes sense yeah I know what you mean we played uh the two games that we thought were good wins for TCU and Penn State and both of those have turned out to be not as good wins we saw TCU's three and four now not even a winning record or a 500 record uh, they got blown out by Oklahoma this weekend. And then Penn State, they barely beat Indiana this weekend. And then we personally struggled with Indiana, then struggled with Minnesota. And the Minnesota one was actually pretty glaring to me, pretty jarring, I guess I should say. We beat Minnesota. We were only up nine with two minutes left in that game. An 0-6 Nebraska team blew out that team by 35 points. Mm-hmm. So that one's a little glaring. That one's pretty glaring to me. Um, but, yeah, like you said, the run game, it's interesting. I definitely don't think it's the fault of the backs because – we know J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber are good running backs. We've seen it last year, and then two years ago we saw it with just Mike Weber. So we know these running backs are good. So we've got to assume to a point that it's the offensive line, and that's pretty puzzling to me because I thought coming into this year that the offensive line was good. Mm-hmm. But, I, I mean, I guess not. It looks like they got to shift something around. But I thought Michael Jordan and Isaiah Prince were going to be great linemen, and it's been a pretty rough start to the year for the line. Mm-hmm. Um, going from experience from playing offensive line, um, it is definitely mm-hmm. – harder to run block to me than it is pass block yeah. because you're just setting back and you're letting the defenseman come to you. Um, and off, mm-hmm. Like if you're run blocking, you are going downhill and you have to make sure that you're mauling that dude. And maybe it's just that since we do so many passes, they're just out of rhythm to run mm-hmm. the ball. Um, usually like offensive linemen, they get into a rhythm just like a running back does. If you're going to run the ball three straight times, they're going to start mm-hmm. picking up and feel off like, what the energy is just like a running back would. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, like you said, they're passing a lot, so maybe they're not getting that rhythm. But I've also have noticed that their pass blocking is better. It seems like they're not the opposing team's not getting to Joanne Haskins like every every two or three seconds. So yeah, that's that was a puzzling thing to me too that the pass blocking wasn't that bad, but then the run blocking run blocking just isn't great. They're not really pushing people off the line. So what you said makes sense to me definitely. Yeah, and another thing I want to touch on is I still think even though. Like, our defensive line is not bad. They are very good, but they're missing Nick Bosa. Mm-hmm. Like, he is – Yeah. He's a freak of nature. He is going to be a top five NFL draft pick. I mean, he just is somebody that's irreplaceable, really. I mean, Chase Young, mm-hmm. there's he's like one of those uh, once-in-a-generation players that come along. Him, His brother was one as well. And Chase Young has those glimmers of, like, kind of hope in that same situations. But Nick Bosa is just mm-hmm. – he does everything that you need to as a defensive end. And when we don't have him out there, our defense really sees it. Yeah, no doubt. Nick Bosa, I mean, we need him right now. He would get to the quarterback so much better, but he also would open up the, uh, a lot of people, two people would be trying to block him every play, which would open up the other end for Chase Young or Draymond Jones or someone like that. So we're also seeing that too. Chase Young hasn't been getting to the quarterback as much as he was when Nick Bosa was in there. (laughs) And uh, not as much as he did against Penn State either. But, yeah, the defensive line, they're not getting to the quarterback as quick, which is leaving more time for the quarterback to throw. And the secondary is already shaky enough. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the defensive line went from probably the best – one of the best in the country to just above average pretty quickly when he went down for the season. Yeah. Um, a question kind of want to ask you. What do you think, Jake? Are the playoffs still possible? Um. Yeah, I think so. I guess the way I the way I've been looking at it is I don't think Ohio State will go twelve and one. I think they're going to slip up somewhere. Um, I just feel like some of these problems before we've seen problems with Ohio State, like obviously last year with Iowa, but that game just felt more fluky. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but that game against Iowa just felt more fluky. This game felt more like we saw these problems coming and then these problems caught up with mm-hmm. us. And I don't know if we can fix these problems because I just don't know if the talent is there to fix these problems to a point. But I don't think we'll go 12 and one. But in terms of if we go 12 and one, hypothetically, I, there's no doubt. I think for sure a 12 and one Big Ten champion, Ohio State, will definitely get into the playoffs. The question is more: Do we go 12 and one? Mm-hmm. If I was a fan out there, I wouldn't be worried about. I wouldn't be worried about rooting for other teams to lose or anything like that. If Ohio State loses another game, they're not getting in. If they go undefeated from here on out, they're getting in. I think it's as simple as that. Yeah. Um. And less one thing, like I want to touch on. Last thing I want to touch on for the Buckeyes is. Nobody's talking about it, but Haskins broke the uh, passing record. Yeah, in the game and and it just not, nobody even talked about it because we just got smoked. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's a good point. It's crazy that he broke the passing record and we lost by twenty nine to a three and three Purdue. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's pretty crazy. It was ugly. It it's just an ugly loss. Yeah, yeah. So the last thing I wanted to touch on with Ohio State was just get your opinion on something I've been asking. I was on a podcast with JT and I was on a podcast with Beam yesterday and I've asked both of them this question. How do you feel about Tate Martell? Obviously the red zone offense has been one of those problems. One of the problems that we've seen this year at the high state, do you think that bringing him in in the red zone would help? Or do you think we need to work more on just establishing the run game with Mike Weber and JK Dobbins? So my take on that is I've always thought that when people try to run like a, a two QB system, it rarely works because you have to get into a flow, like I was saying mm-hmm. about the, like the O line and running back. Like it's it's a consistency that you have to have, and yeah. if you're just throwing Martell in there for p- packages, I mean, 
it might work, but you the defense is obviously going to know what is going to happen. He's either going to run some read option and they're going to spy him, mm-hmm. or he's going to pass, which they obviously can defend because now Dwayne Haskins passed almost 60% of the time. Yeah. So it's just a lot. I, I would love to see them try more than just one drive with him, yeah. like continually see what he can do because I've been a fan of Tate Martell ever since he was coming out of Las Vegas, mm. uh, that high school in there. And he, he's just he, – he's very Johnny Manziel-ish, but he's not crazy. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> But he is – he definitely is a playmaker, and I could see him being Baker Mayfield-ish uh, and once he gets the chance to. Yeah. Um, and I hope he stays at Ohio State until we get to see that chance. So, But, yeah, I think the red zone woes that we've been having are just because we're not running the ball. That's it's simple as that. When we yeah. are it's third and one and we're throwing the ball three times, uh, that's some problems right there. Get Mike Weber the ball. He's a power back. Let him run. Let him bulldoze right into between his back or his linemen. So that's, I think, the biggest problem right there. But and, – and, Utilize Benjamin Victor. I mean, he's a big dude, six four. Throw the ball mm-hmm. up, let him go up for a ball. But we've been trying to do some slant routes, screen plays with Paris Campbell, and it's just not working. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, the final thing I really have to say about Ohio State is stop running the zone read with Troy Haskins. Yes, he's he cannot run the ball the way JT. Yeah, yeah, or even Tay Martell. But yeah, like you said, Tay Martell. I like the way he looks. And one thing that I find really interesting about Tay Martell is. At least from what I've seen in the games that he has played in this year, he's a really good thrower too. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a really really good passer. He's twenty three of twenty eight for two hundred sixty nine yards with an eighty two percent completion rate, one hundred seventy four uh, quarterback rating. I mean, he's a good quarterback. He can run the ball and he can throw it. So I wouldn't mind mm-hmm. seeing him get a, get at least a chance and see how he can do with this offense. Yeah, and uh, just like I want to say, like as long as we beat that team up north, I'm totally happy with this season. Yeah, I mean that's. <laughs> That's the big thing. They are so good this year, and then we've seen the Ohio State's maybe not as good as we were hoping they'd be this year. So that's going to be a tough game. Obviously, it's in the shoe. Um, I guess that's the final thing I'll ask you. Just give me your prediction for the next four games for Ohio State. Uh, They play Um, Nebraska, Michigan State, Maryland, Michigan. So I think that we're going to be Nebraska. I mean, they're just one and six. They're they're not consistent enough to be Mm -hmm. this powerhouse of a team. I know we've had our – problems but we're still gonna get the w on that one um for the michigan state game that's a tough one that one is in east lansing right yeah yeah that's a tough place to play especially just because they've been having a decent year but not the best one but they've always played us hard every single year and we they yeah. end up they're usually the ones that kind of ruin our season sometimes so mm-hmm. but i think we're gonna go in there and get a, a win um maryland i'm gonna go ahead and just say a w right off the bat because i don't think I mean, they did beat Texas, but I don't think they have enough. Michigan, yeah. it's a very close one. I'm, I'm very scared almost as a Buckeye fan because their defense is it's legit, and mm-hmm. our in our offense, if we don't run the ball, we're not gonna win that game. So, I mean, prediction: I want us to win, but I don't know. It's up in the air. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Nebraska and Maryland, we should be able to beat. Uh, Michigan State could be interesting just because their defense is so good, and but I think. That would be a good game for our defense to get its feet, get its footing back because Michigan State's offense has just been abysmal this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Michigan, man, I think we'll go into that game ten and one. I'm pretty positive about it, but that game is going to be tough. It's probably going to be a close game. I don't think that they'd blow us out or we blow them out just because that's how the rivalry game is. But I can't wait for that game. 
in a way I'm nervous for. I'm super nervous for it, but at the same time, I can't wait to watch it. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to have the uh, double overtime-esque to the, yeah. the game like two years ago. That was such a fun game to watch. Yeah, and it's um, probably going to be a Big Ten East. Not to cut you off, sorry. It's probably going to be a Big Ten, I guess, yeah, we're in the East. Big Ten East uh, semifinal in a way, too. Yeah, it's going to have that almost like a playoff feel to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a big game. Whoever wins that game, unless Michigan or Ohio State loses, actually, even if one of them lose another game, that is almost for sure going to be the game that decides who gets into the Big Ten championship game. So that's going to be a big one. It's going to be a fun one. All right, so uh, now we'll jump into the crew and the Blue Jackets. Um, I've touched a little bit on both these teams on my last podcast. Since then, the crew have not played another game, but I'll still go through uh, their game this weekend and the playoff scenarios for them. And I'm also going to talk a little bit about the Blue Jackets. The Blue Jackets played, um, what's tonight, Thursday night? They played Tuesday night, and uh, they lost to the Coyotes, which is a pretty bad loss. Uh, The Arizona Coyotes are not a good team. They lost in Columbus in uh, Nationwide Arena 4-1 to to the Coyotes. I'm not sure what really happened there, but now they're sitting at 4-4 and in the year. Um, You can't be 500 in the NHL to make the playoffs. you got to be a good amount above 500. So right now they're probably sitting right outside the playoffs. Obviously, we're only eight games in. Still a lot of season left, only one-tenth through the season. But, I mean, they lost to the Blackhawks on Saturday, 4-1, and now they've lost to the Coyotes, 4-1, two teams that they should be beating, two teams that aren't good this year. Um, It's a little bit concerning, obviously, we know everything that's going on with Panarin and uh, Brabowski. Both of them are on the last year of their contracts are both probably the two best players on the team. And I don't know what's happening with them and if maybe that's ruining the locker room a little bit, but they've got to figure out something. They play tonight at 8 p.m. against the Blues. Um, it looks like it's in St. Louis. So travel for them tonight after just playing two days ago, but they play the Blues. Um, let me actually see how the Blues have done this here real quick. Um, the Blues have lost, lost, lost. A lot of losses here, so it looks like they're not a great team. Um, so the Jackets really got to find a way to win this game. This is their straight game playing the team that they should beat. They lost the last two, and they lost in pretty emphatic emphatic ways, losing 4-1 to those teams. So they need to find a way to win this game tonight, playing the Blues. And then they play Saturday against at home against the uh, Buffalo Sabres. So that's another game they should be able to win, and that's a nationwide arena. So those will be the two games they play. Before my next podcast, uh, they go to St. Louis tonight to play the Blues. And then they're at home Saturday at 7 p.m. to play the Buffalo Sabres. Um, so then the crew crew have a big game Sunday. They just lost uh, in Orlando last Sunday or a few days ago, as I talked about on my last podcast. This Sunday they go uh, for the fi- – they're, yeah, they're at home playing Minnesota United in the final game of the regular season. There's six teams that make the playoffs in the MLS. Um uh, well, in the Eastern Conference. And Columbus is sitting right on that sixth spot. And the team below them is two points below. For all the people that don't know in soccer, you get one point for a draw, three points for a win, zero points for a loss. So um, if Montreal wins, they'll be sitting at 49 points. And if the crew draw, they'll also be sitting on 49 points. And Montreal would have the tiebreaker in that situation. So if Montreal wins, the crew have to win. If Montreal uh, loses or ties, the crew are in no matter what. Um, Montreal is playing a team that has nothing to play for. They're completely out of the playoff race. So there's a good chance Montreal is going to win this game. So Columbus, there's a good chance that Columbus needs to win this game to make the playoffs. Um, this wasn't something I thought we'd be saying a few days ago, but here or not a few days, but a few weeks ago when they were in fourth position in the East. And now they've lost, I think, three of their last four games or so, and they're starting to fall. But 
All they got to do is go out and get a win against Minnesota United, who is another team that has nothing to play for. They're sitting in ninth in the Western Conference, 36 points. They have nothing to play for Columbus. This crowd's going to be crazy because it's the first game in Columbus since uh, Save the Cruise happened. So I think Columbus will come out and win this game, and they're probably going to need to if they want to make the playoffs, and hopefully they do because we know uh, the whole morale of the city could just use the Columbus Columbus crew getting the playoffs after everything that was announced with uh, Save the Crew and everything. Yeah, so that would pretty much do it for a little wrap-up on the crew and the Blue Jackets here in Columbus. So finally, we're going to jump into uh, the Browns. They play the Steelers and then the Bengals versus Tampa Bay. I guess we'll so we're not gonna jump into that quick for like a minute or two and just give your prediction for it, I guess. Okay, yeah. So I think the Browns have a very good shot of winning this football game. Um, mm-hmm. We played them very hard at home. Um, it ended in a tie, obviously. But, I mean, the Browns' defense, it's going to have to step up versus a very high-powered offense with Ben Roethlisberger, James Conner, Juju, and um, Antonio Brown. It, they just got so many weapons out there. And mm-hmm. I do see that – I think that Denzel Ward's going to be playing man on AB all, all night. And I think that we're going to have Demarius Randall if he plays. He's still kind of uncertain for this week. But I think he'll again probably man up against Juju at corner. And then drop Buddy or Brianne Buddy Calhoun back to free safety like they did last week against the Buccaneers. Um, and it's just going to be – it's going to be a fun game. Like, I love this rivalry. It's my – a lot of people say, like, the Ravens and the Browns are, like, the biggest rivalry for us. But I really love watching this game. Um, mm-hmm. We always play them hard even when we haven't been very good. So, it's going to be a fun one to see. Um, my big note or big, like, thing that I want to see is Baker take more shots downfield, have the gun center mentality that he's had, that's why we drafted him, get him the ball and get get his guys in space, get Antonio Callaway on some drag routes, let him make some plays. And I, I'm just excited to see this game, and it's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm with you. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm kind of scared that the Steelers might blow out the Browns here just because it's in Heinz Field. They always play us tough there. They almost always beat us in Heinz Field. Even they beat us there the last two years when uh, they had nothing to play for, but – this is a different Browns team, um, and this is also a different Steelers team, a Steelers team that's a little bit worse. Le'Veon Bell still won't be back, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is not. Yeah, yeah, he didn't report this week. That's what I thought. Um, who knows if he'll even come back at all this year. But like you said, they still have a ton of playmakers on offense. Juju Smith, A.B., um, James Connors ended up being really good for the team, and Big Ben's before the bye week, he was leading the league in uh, passing yards, I think. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Steelers team's got a really good offense, but they also ha- have not so great of a defense. Obviously, they lost um, Ryan Shazier last year. Mm-hmm. And they've also just lost some other pieces on defense in general. So this could this has the potential to be a shootout. Um, the Browns' defense has been a little bit shaky the last two weeks, and the Steelers' deep offense is just so good. And the Browns' offense has been has been good at times this year, and the Steelers' defense is one of the worst in the NFL. So this has the potential to be a shootout. But I'm with you, I'm with you on what you said about Baker Mayfield. I thought he had a good game last week. He threw for like 250 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Um, I thought he played well. And this is going to be a test for him just because it's going to be a really hostile atmosphere. And it's going to be a game. It's a game that they have to win if they want any sort of chance of thinking about winning the division or even making the, getting a wild card. It's pretty much a must win for the Browns. It's kind of a must win for the Steelers too, because the Ravens and uh, Ravens and Cincinnati have just been so good this year. And, yeah, I'm interested to see what happens. If I had to make a prediction, I'd say the Steelers win this game pretty comfortably uh, just because that's just – our franchise hasn't turned it around. We're not still not a winning culture. We're getting there, but 
the Steelers are going to come into this game knowing they have to win, knowing they need to be ready. And it might just be a little bit too much for the Browns. Yeah, I think that if, if we do steal this game at Heinz Field, we we would have um, – we would basically basically beat them twice. Mm-hmm. Um, we did tie them, so we have that tiebreaker there. We yeah. won against the Ravens. If we could steal one against the Bengals and maybe beat the Ravens again, that is – that's a – we could win that division. And so this game is probably huge. This is the turning point. I think this is where if Hugh Jackson – wants to keep his job the Browns have to beat the Steelers this week um yeah I, I am I'm always like kind of had a soft spot for Hugh I mean we did not have talent in 2015 or 16 but we have the talent yeah. we should be winning I know we've lost some close games do some questionable stuff but we we need to this is a this is a statement game and I I actually think the Browns come out and make it um it's gonna be a cra- like crazy one like you pretty I know I'm crazy for th- saying it, but I think the Browns could have this game. It won't be like a blowout of any sorts, but I think it's going to be a grinded out game, something like 23-21, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that would be awesome if the Browns did win. Um, I'm kind of with you on what you said. I don't think if they lose this game, depending on how they lose, I don't think if they do lose, he's going to be gone. I think if there was any chance he was going to be gone the next few weeks, it would have been last week when they lost in the fashion they did with like 130 penalty yards, but yeah, I mean, if they win this game, they're right back in the division race because um, they've already beaten the Ravens in the division. They've already tied the Steelers, so they haven't lost a division game yet. They still have to play the Bengals twice if they could beat them both times they play them. This is a big game uh, for the Browns. It's unfortunate they couldn't win more in the last two weeks because if they did, they'd just be half a game out of the division. Mm-hmm. Now they're a good amount still out of the division, but yeah, any chance of any sort of playoffs or making anything out of this year, they got to win this game if not. We could pretty much wrap it up because they play the Chiefs the week after this. Yes, for sure. The Chiefs one, I'm going to ride that as an L. Not going to lie. That's so yeah. Um, yeah, the Chiefs are crazy good this year. So I just want to touch on a couple like playmakers that I think really need to step up. Mm-hmm. I think okay. I think Jarvis has to step up again. He had a great game this last week. Yeah, He needs to just try to get open, do his game, pick and pop, do five yards here, five yards there, then bust it for a long one. Like he he's – He's capable of doing it, and we need our other receivers to step up as well just so he, they take that pressure off Jarvis because mm-hmm. Jarvis needs other wide receivers to do good to make him good, if that makes sense. He needs them to be able to get open so he's good under. So yeah, And another, guys, I need more Duke Johnson. The dude is a baller. Mm-hmm. Get him the ball. He He's averaging like eight yards every time he touches <laughs> the ball. So it's – he's – He's one of my favorite Browns, to be completely honest. I just love the way he plays. Mm -hmm. We need to get him the ball more. Put him at slot. Let him be a receiver. He can play receiver or running back. He really can. So, And I think Nick Chubb, the last one, I think Nick Chubb is going to have another solid outing. Um, If we can get um, hands on T.J. Watt every play, I think we're going to be able to run the ball all over the Steelers, to be completely honest. Um, Mm -hmm. And we're going to have to – and I think Chris Hubbard's going to have a – have a much better game than he did in week one against the Steelers. He's going to be, he's going to settle in um, against at Heinz field. He's comfortable there. He's played there many, many times before. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm with you on Jarvis Landry for sure. He, he's been pretty underwhelming to me this year until uh, this past Sunday against the Buccaneers. He finally had a really good game. I can't remember what his stats were, but he caught pretty close to hundred yards of uh, passes, I believe, and got that touchdown. That was awesome. When he stuck the ball out. That was a cool moment. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Duke Johnson, he's been great. It feels like every time he touches the ball, it's a big play. And so I definitely want to get him the ball more. Like you said, put him at slot receiver. We're missing so many receivers right now anyways due to injury. Mm -hmm. We could use him, and he's a reliable hand. He's one of the few players on this team that every time it goes to him, he catches it. We've seen Jarvis Landry drop a lot of balls. We saw Njoku drop more balls this weekend. He's been dropping balls all year, and then we've seen a lot of other wide receivers drop the ball. But um, Higgins and Duke Johnson have really been the only one who ever who catch it every single time it's thrown to mm -hmm. him. So I'd like to see him get more touches just because uh, he's reliable and he always finds a way to break it for a big one. Um, I agree. I, and then, I do have a, one question for you, Jake. So what, mm -hmm. what do you think will make a trade for a receiver at the deadline here next Tuesday? Yeah, I mean, they wanted to trade for Amari Cooper, obviously, and then we saw he went to the Cowboys. I thought that was actually a pretty good trade for the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really know who's out there, who they could bring in. I don't – yeah, I mean, I think they need to, if that's the question. Yeah. I have no clue if they're going to. I think they need to, though. They need one more wide receiver. It's actually funny because we came a year thinking wide receiver was the best position for the Browns this year. Mm -hmm. um, they had so many wide receivers that looked like Higgins was great. Uh, then we brought in Jarvis Landry. Then we had Josh Gordon. Then we had Corey Coleman. And we had all these players. And now Corey Coleman and Josh Gordon are out the door. Mm -hmm. um, a few other players are hurt. And then Jarvis Landry has been a little underwhelming this year, at least in my opinion. So we went from that being one of the best positions and one of the most one of the positions with the most depth to now needing uh, needing uh, to trade for players in that position. Yeah, I I can I will never comprehend and why we let Josh Gordon go for what we did. Yeah. Um I know yeah. he's we've kind of just piggybacked him and let him do his thing honestly for the past five years as a Brown, but mm -hmm. he is worth way more than a seventh round pick from which we got, which is a conditional pick too. Yeah. So we basically released him and I just I can't understand why John Dorsey's a great, great general manager, but I do not understand why we let him go for that. So yeah, that was a frustrating one for me. I understand you're trying to establish a culture and everything, but you kept him for four years um, when he was doing, you know, smoking pot and doing other drugs and stuff like that and getting suspended for entire years. Mm -hmm. And then you release him because he did like a photo shoot and hurt his hamstring a little bit. I just don't get that at all. Uh, yeah, it, it baffled me to me. Yeah. All right. So now we'll jump into the Bengals Buccaneers. We don't have to dive deep into this. Mm -hmm. Um I do my best to talk about Cincinnati sports on here. I'm honest with the people, though, and saying that it's, it's not going to be my number one priority. But the Bengals are at home this week playing a Buccaneers team. that We just saw the Browns play last week, so we know a little, a little bit about them. Mm -hmm. And uh, I watch the Bengals play most weeks, so I know a good, good amount about them. What do you see here, uh, Bengals at home playing the Buccaneers? Um, I, I honestly see the Bengals kind of blowing this Bucs team out. Uh, mm -hmm. Andy Dalton is going to pass over well over 350, I think. Um, yeah, AJ Green's gonna have a heyday against that buck, those Bucks corners. Dude's just too big and too fast and too strong to, for them to keep mm -hmm. up with him. And Andy knows to find them. I mean, that's his boy. So, yeah, I, I and I think that just the defensive front of Cincinnati is gonna be too much for the Bucks offensive line. I mean, we saw kind of what the Browns offensive line, or D line did to the Bucks O line, and I think the Bengals are just a tad bit better at this point in time. Um, with uh, Sam Hubbard, Geno Atkins, and those kind of guys. So, Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the Bengals, I think they'll win no matter what here, but I could see it being a blowout. They're just a little bit better of a team. Um, we saw the Browns run all over them last week, and the Bengals have a great running back, and uh, Joe Mixon, I believe is his name. Mm -hmm. He's been really solid for the Bengals this year. Like you said, A.J. Green, he's going to be great. And Andy Dalton, I think they're going to rally together knowing they need a, a, a big win after – what happened against the Chiefs Sunday night. That was a really bad game yeah. for them. But 
The Chiefs are such a good team. The Buccaneers are not that great. I'm still upset that the Browns lost to them. Mm-hmm. The Bengals should find a way to win this. So I want to go over through some big NFL games this week with you. If you're mm-hmm. fine with that, yes. Get your picks. Just uh, five, ten seconds on each one, and then your picks. So. Right. London, 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning. Eagles play the Jaguars. This is a game I'm actually pretty excited for. Uh, this is the first time that London's had two really good teams. Yeah, I, I think um... – <laughs> I do think the Eagles are going to probably win that game just because Jacksonville cannot figure out what is wrong with Blake Bortles. Yeah. Inconsistent. He, I mean, he's – that's all I got to say about that. I mean, that defense is going to be, I think, going to hold up, and I think it's going to be a close game, but I think uh, the Eagles and Carson Wentz are going to actually win it. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'll take the Eagles just because the defense has been shaky lately, and so is Blake Bortles, so. Um, we'll do the Ravens-Panthers just because it's an AFC North game. Uh, it's in Carolina. The Panthers taking on the Ravens. Um, Ravens' defense is really good, um, but yeah. I, I see the Panthers winning that one, especially since it's in Carolina. Um, Cam Newton yeah. and Christian McCaffrey going to be able to get do some get some plays and go in and end up beating them. Yeah, yeah I think I'm with you. I think these two teams are pretty close talent-wise. Um, but the Panthers at home, so I'll take them. Hopefully for us, that is what happens, and hopefully mm-hmm. for Bengal fans too. So all the Ohio sports fans listen to this, you're hoping for the Panthers to get a win this week, and you're hoping, I guess, for the Browns to get a win this week, even if, if you're a Browns fan or a Bengals fan. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else here is big, I would consider big matchups. Uh, definitely this game. This is a 425 p.m. game on Sunday. The Rams are at home playing the Packers. I saw this morning this was a 10-point spread. Uh, the Rams are 10-point favorites, and that's the biggest uh, spread Aaron Rodgers has ever played in in his career. Yeah, um, Aaron Rodgers just does not have enough weapons around him. He's mm-hmm. a, an amazing quarterback. He just does not have the receivers and the running back he needs. Um, I think that spread is almost what it should be. Um, the Rams' offense is just so good. They have so yeah. many weapons. Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, Con- or Cooper Cup, um, that Todd Gurley is just—he's going to consistently get you two, two touchdowns a game. So yeah, it's and that defense—they finally got all their corners back, so it's going to be—it's going to be a very tough one for the Packers. Yeah, I think just because it's Aaron Rodgers, he'll find a way to keep it close, but the Rams will most likely find a way to pull it out. Um, that's really there's not a great a ton of great games this weekend. Uh, the Brown Steelers is actually a pretty good game since the Browns are decent this year. Ravens-Panthers is a big one. Eagles-Jaguars is a big one. Um, Broncos-Chiefs has a chance to be a big one if the Broncos play well, but it's in Kansas City, so they might just blow them out. Mm-hmm. And the Packers-Rams is definitely going to be a good one. Um, so that'll pretty much do it for the NFL. We actually kind of forgot to go through the college football games and go through all the big ones and talk a bit about a few of them if you want to do that with me. Yeah, sure. All right, so I'm going to say a few here first. Uh, you don't need to get any input on them. I'm just going to read out some of the bigger games, and then we'll go through maybe like three or four really big games. Okay. Um, so actually, you've got some decent Thursday night and Friday night football games this week. Uh, Baylor is headed to West Virginia tonight to take on the 13, uh, 13th-ranked Mountaineers. Um, we also have Appalachian State playing tonight, and they're on this list because they are ranked. They're ranked 25th. I don't know if you knew that. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah, Appalachian State was just an FCS team, obviously, like three years ago. They're one of the better teams. and They're 5-1 and one right now. They only lost to Penn State in that game where they were up 14 late and they blew it. But, yeah, they're ranked 25th in the mm-hmm. AP, surprisingly enough. Um, tomorrow night, Friday night, we've got Utah going to UCLA. Utah's ranked 23rd. And then Indiana plays Minnesota. Neither of those teams are ranked, but I just remember that game off the top of my head. 
that has potential to be a pretty good game. Um, Clemson is headed to Florida State. Uh, Wisconsin's headed to Northwestern. Uh, game of the week is probably Florida going to UGA. We'll get into that game a little bit. Iowa going to Penn State's a really good game. Kentucky going to Missouri. Um, Washington going to Cal. Notre Dame going to Navy. Things always get tr- uh, tricky when Notre Dame plays Navy. Uh, Texas goes to Oklahoma State, and Oregon goes to Arizona. So the few games I wanted to get into with you are probably um, – let me think here. Let's jump into – this actually isn't on the list because neither of these teams are ranked, but I'm curious to get your pick on uh, Purdue, who we just lost to, is traveling to, to Michigan State, who we play in two weeks. That That is a, a more difficult one to think of. I mean, Michigan State's defense is really good, but their offense is very bad. So yeah. I mean, it's going to be – it's going to be a tough one. I think Purdue's offense might actually go in there and do something, but I still think Michigan State's going to win that game. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I think Michigan State's at home. They'll find a way to win it. Their defense is so good, and obviously Purdue just beat the Buckeyes, sadly, Saturday, so they're going to be emotional win. They're going to have, probably have the letdown. It seems like that's almost unavoidable. It feels like it almost always happens. You get that big win, and then the next week you lose uh, to a team. To another team. Um, what else we got here? This is actually a game I'm pretty excited to watch. 3.30 p.m. on ESPN. Iowa Hawkeyes ranked 18th are traveling to Penn State, Happy Valley, who are ranked 17th. Yeah, I think I think Penn State's going to win that game. I'll say it straight up front. I mean, McSorley is going to do his thing, especially in front of that Happy Valley crowd. I mean, they're just so loud. I mean, there mm-hmm. was points in during the game, Buckeye game that I could not even hear the announcers. Um, yeah, from from the fans. I mean, it's just such a hard place to play, but yeah. I think it's going to be a good test. I think it'll be fun fun game to watch. Yeah, it's it's a game I'm really excited for. I actually think Iowa's going to find a way to win this game. Penn State's not that great this year. Um, picking Iowa, the only real thing that scares me, like you said, is Happy Valley. Things get tricky there. This game starts at three thirty. It gets dark by like five thirty six ish now. So that'll be, you know, half a game under the lights. So it'd be. Mm-hmm. A little bit under the lights that game. So, Happy Valley's going to be roaring. If you're a Penn State fan or if you're a Penn State player, you know you pretty much have to win this game. you got to win out pretty much if you want any hope of getting to the Big Ten Championship game and any hope of getting to the playoffs at this point. But I'm feeling I, – I like Iowa. I think Iowa's got a really good shot to get to, to win the Big Ten West and get to the Big Ten Championship game in Indy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. And then um, – I guess I'll get your opinion a little bit on this. Notre Dame travels to Navy. Navy's two and five, but every time Notre Dame plays Navy in that triple option, things get a little bit tricky. I think their line's 24 and a half on Notre, for Notre Dame to win. I think they'll be over under that. What do you think? Uh, I think that'll match about what it's supposed to be. I think that just, yeah, Navy has that run game, but if it's one dimensional, they can't really, if they don't have a good passing QB so mm-hmm. if they can't run the ball it's going to be a really long day yeah all right so the final thing that I want to get into uh on, on the day I know this is a higher sports podcast but we love to talk college football NFL uh Florida travels it's 3 30 p.m on CBS SEC game of the week Florida uh plays Georgia number nine versus number seven both teams are six and one how do you see this game going um and we're, what? who's the whole team again? I, I think they play this game on a neutral site. It's called, like, the the name of the rivalry is, like, the world's biggest t- cocktail or something like that. Oh. <laughs> I don't even know. Oh, it's okay. something funny. Let me look it up where they play. But, yeah, you can just tell me how you feel about this game. I yeah, think it's so a neutral site. I, I'm going to go with Florida on this one. I think that 
their offense is actually really good, and it's just going to be a fun game to watch. Like, it's just one of those – like, we, we watch all this Big Ten – these Big Ten rivalries, and we don't get to see a ton of SEC games up here. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fun to see two SEC teams go, go at each other. Um, it's just going to be a good game. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. I don't know a ton about either of these teams. I know Florida lost to Kentucky, and that was earlier in the year before they really established themselves and were gelling. And then Kentucky – it felt like at the time, like, Florida was going to be really, really bad this year. But mm-hmm. Kentucky ended up being really good. And now Florida's ranked ninth. I mean, Florida's been pretty bad ever since Urban Meyer left. This is probably the best team they've had since he um, left. And now they got Dan Mullen at the helm, and he's really doing well. I thought Georgia was a seven-and-a-half point favorite in this game, which actually surprised me. Mm-hmm. I'll say Florida definitely covers seven-and-a-half. I think this will be a seven-point football game. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to expect from Georgia. They haven't played anyone this year. The only team they played is LSU, and they got blown out by LSU. And yeah. For that reason, I'll have to take Florida. I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be a close game. If Georgia win, by no means necessary, will I be surprised? But I'll take Florida. Um, I've definitely picked them to cover seven and a half. If you can find that line in Vegas, definitely bet on that. I think this will be a good game. But Florida, I'll pick them to pull it out. I'm ex- really excited to watch this game now. It is such a good game, nine versus seven. Uh, mm-hmm. SEC game of the week. I always love the announcers on the SEC game of the week. And um, as much as I kind of the SEC and stuff, I love watching the fans and watching the crowds because it's always fun. Yeah, for sure. I want to speak one second on how highly I think of this LSU team, actually. LSU, yeah. I think, is going to – they're the real deal. And I once they play Bama, I think they're going to actually take off Bama this year. That's, like, my mm-hmm. big, bold prediction. Okay. Yeah, I like LSU a lot. Um I'm interested to just see that game because, I mean, Alabama has played no one. Let me pull up their schedule real quick. But and that's no disrespect to Alabama. No doubt by the eye test, they look like they're going to be really good. But I feel like it's hard to tell for sure until they play someone. If you really looked at who they played, they played Louisville, who's turned out to be awful this year. I mean, really, really bad. They played Arkansas State, who's in the Sun Belt. They played Mississippi, who's turned out to actually be a really bad team now. They beat Texas A&M, who's actually turned out to be a pretty decent team this year. They beat Louisiana Lafayette. They beat Arkansas, who's really bad this year. They beat Missouri, who's not that good this year. And they beat Tennessee, who's pretty god-awful this year. Mm-hmm. Texas A&M is really their only good team that they've beaten this year, and they even struggled a little bit in that game. It was uh, the few minutes left at half. It was tied. Yes, they still won by 20 against a good team, but they were at home. So they're going to LSU. LSU will be ranked third or fourth by the time they play play them. I'm really excited to watch that game. Yeah, um, for sure. That's the one I'm kind of marked down on the calendar. I can't wait to watch that one. Yeah, that's going to be a great one. Uh, what is that? Is that next week? Yeah, that's next weekend, so that's coming up already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's going to be fun. You got anything else you want to talk about? No, that's awesome. It's, it was great to be here and um, be on the podcast with you, dude. Yeah, man, thanks for coming on. Um, I think we'll definitely have you on again. I could see you becoming one of the bigger contributors. I'm going to try to have guests on this a lot just because – it's not very fun to talk to myself and it's also just extremely difficult. And like, I would talk so much that I'm just like starting to zone out and just like ramble on at points if it's just me. So uh, I'm definitely going to try to have a lot of guests on and I'm definitely going to have you on a lot as long as you're willing. Yeah, for sure. I'll, whenever you want, I'll be on there. All right, cool. Thanks. Thanks, man.